Thanks for tuning in. On this episode, I had the opportunity to talk to a local Phoenician, Lisa Hopi. We talk about how she thought signs of possible breast cancer were simply ice cream with chocolate syrup, and how after her diagnosis, she dug in her heels and plowed through. Welcome to Behind the Pink Ribbon, where we share stories, information, and other content related to breast cancer. My name is Melissa Adams. I am a 12-year genetic breast cancer survivor. I've learned so much through my own journey with breast cancer. I have met some amazing people along the way, many that have become lifelong friends. I have experienced the emotional roller coaster of a breast cancer diagnosis, heartache, anger, frustration, loneliness, and even gratitude. Through this podcast, we will speak to breast cancer survivors, supporters, and healthcare professionals to gain insight and understanding behind the pink ribbon. I'm here today with Lisa, and we are going to talk a little bit about her breast cancer story. I had the pleasure of meeting Lisa through Dragon Boating, so welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah. So let's just go ahead and dive right in. I'd like to kind of hear how old you were when you were diagnosed and what your current age is. Okay. I was 54, and I'm almost three years out, so I'm 57. Okay. Yeah, so still pretty, it's pretty it's, fresh. Yeah. It is, it is yeah. still very fresh, yes. Okay. And yes. Okay. So tell me a little bit about your diagnosis. Okay, so in April to March, April time of this year, I was having a discharge, a nipple discharge, and I didn't realize what it was for about five weeks. It wasn't happening every day. It was every four or five days. I would wake up with something on my shirt, and it I feel so silly that I didn't really clue into what that was. And then all of a sudden, one day I looked in the mirror and I thought, oh my gosh, I know what this is. And my husband was sitting there and said, what? And then I said to him, I said, this is not good. This just doesn't happen for no reason. So I called the doctor and I remember I went to see the gynecologist the first time on Cinco de Mayo. It was May 5th. And she sent me immediately over to a breast surgeon. Saw the breast surgeon. Of course, that took two weeks immediately. And... She ordered a mammogram, which I was always faithful on my mammograms. I had just had one in November. This was six months later. And so she sent me for the mammogram. Nothing showed. They took me in for an ultrasound. Nothing showed. She pinched and prodded and nothing was happening. No, there was no discharge. There was nothing happening. So then the doctor ordered an MRI and I went for the MRI. And then she called me back and said, we needed an MRI with the core biopsy and did the core biopsy. And to be honest with you, I knew what this was. I knew dead on what this was. There was no chance it wasn't anything else to me. I just knew. And she called me that night that I had the core biopsy, the doctor, and she said, this is cancerous and we need to talk about this. Can you come in? So my husband was going out of town the next day and she wanted to see me in a couple days. So he ended up getting stuck out of town and my daughter came with me and, but I went, I went in and I knew what it was and I knew what my course of treatment was going to be. I had already, I, I helped my sister pass from cancer. So I knew a lot from her and I, I just knew if this happened to me, this is what I'm going to do. So very matter of factly, she laid out the different choices. I could do the lumpectomy with radiation and chemo. I could do the single mastectomy and I decided on the bilateral. I just was one and done. I am not a, I'm not going through this again. Right. And that was just it. So I have a couple of questions. So what stage were you? Okay. So it came back that I was non-invasive ductal carcinoma, okay. stage zero. Okay. 
But as I was looking at my notes, it said grade three. Okay, grade three is all about the cells. So there's kind of contradictory in there for me. If the cells are abnormal, technically it wouldn't be stage zero. But it was all contained in the duct. It was attached to the nipple. So I had, they took the nipples and everything. And it went back. It was about, the tumor was about the size of my thumb. Okay. But very flat. And I think that's why it wasn't showing on these other tests that they were doing. Yes. It was flat. flat. She said it was just flat. That's fascinating. But it was flat. And she said I had probably had it a couple of years. Wow. I've never heard of a flat tumor. That's interesting. So in terms of the discharge, was it clear? Was it kind of milky? Was there blood? It it was bloody. It was, uh, so when I woke up in the morning, it was brownish looking, you know, so I thought I had some ice cream with some chocolate syrup on it, (laughs) which I hadn't, but I thought maybe I did and I didn't remember. (laughs) Every day for how long? (laughs) It wasn't every day, you know, but uh, I was trying to make an excuse. Yeah, and it never crossed my mind. Like I say, it took about five weeks and all of a sudden it was like, wow, it hit me in the face. I know what this is. Right. Wow. And so, so my other question is, you said that you had helped your sister pass. Mm -hmm. So your sister was also a breast cancer survivor? She was diagnosed when she was 50 and she was already stage three and a half, almost four. Wow. And so she fought it, uh, no surgery. She didn't want to do chemo radiation. She was taking care of her grandkids. And so she didn't want to go that route. She was going to treat it homeopathically. And I hear that doesn't go well, most, most cases. You know, you might buy yourself some time, but she bought herself three years. And then the last two weeks of her life, I was with her 24-7 Wow! while she was in the hospital and everything. So I, I learned a lot, a lot more than I wanted to know. But yet I knew at that time it was going to happen to me right? just because, just because I just knew. Same. I hate to say self-fulfilling prophecy, but I think it really helped prepare me. And I wasn't so in shock. I really wasn't in shock. I, like I say, I, I knew this was going to happen to me. Right. So it's, I, I find it kind of interesting that sometimes life sets us up for what is to come. Absolutely. You know, I believe I, that. Yes. I really do. Yeah. I had kind mm-hmm. of a similar experience where I was, you know, I, I felt like what was going on in my life at that time, you know, several years later really helped me through my own journey. So yeah, I mean, if, I, if, you know, that's that's really powerful, mm-hmm. quite honestly. So, is there a is there a genetic link? Is there a genetic mutation? There is not. There's a lot of cancer in my family. I actually had had thyroid cancer back in 2011. I had a thyroidectomy in 07, and then in 2011, I had the rest of it out, and they found cancer in it, but it was completely embedded in the thyroid, so I didn't have to have further treatment there either. Okay, so my son is the one that realized that. Hey, mom, you're a cancer survivor twice. Yeah, never crossed my mind. So, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, you're right. Okay, so I've had cancer twice. My dad had bladder cancer, lung, it went to lung cancer. Paternal grandmother died of cancer, breast cancer. My sister has it, but we've, she and I, and my younger sister were also tested. We None of us have the gene, that, you know. Um, and that was I, the testing for the BRCA? The BRCA, yes. Okay. And I understand that my doctor told me that even though some siblings came back negative, there is a chance that someone could come back positive. Because I was questioning, why do I need the test? My two sisters were both negative. And she said, oh, you could still be positive. Absolutely. You know, in a family. So, and my mom actually just had a lump to me this past spring. Wow. So, I don't, and she's had it for a while and she didn't tell me. And she didn't, I don't think she realized what it was, but, right. you know. So it's in, it's very prevalent in my family. Yeah, and my daughters were they're in their twenties, and they're they were told that their chances of getting cancer is thirty six percent. Oh, geez. So yeah, 
got to be proactive and absolutely and so are they doing mammograms the 25 year old (laughs) was offered it but they also said she could wait until she's 30 okay so i'm kind of in the process of talking her through it slowly gently you know yeah kind of nudge her along the way that it needs to it's a hard thing to think about when you're in your 20s and 30s and just thinking of that possibility exactly you know that that might be someday your reality so Yeah, yeah yeah exactly and i like i say i'll help them Right. As best I can. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so tell me about your course of treatment. I know that you had said like from the get go, (laughs) if this is what happens to me, this is what I'm doing. So you were like, I mean, there was, sounds like no discussion with you. There was no discussion. Like (laughs) I say, the doctor laid it out and I was like, nope, right there. That's what we're doing. Double mastectomy. And she's like, okay, you got it. And so it was the, the waiting is the hard part. It was five. Of course I threw those tests. Now we're into July where it started May 5th. We're now into July, mid-July, and my surgery wasn't five weeks later. I was preparing for my daughter's wedding, and so it kept me busy, kept my mind off things, and that's how I, you know, got through the waiting part. The waiting is the hardest part, you know, from diagnosis, especially if you have to wait, and knowing that you want this cancer out. You, you don't want to deal with this. You you know, I want it out of my body and just thinking about that. But I'm, I'm a Scarlett O'Hara. I can put things out of my mind. I'll worry about it tomorrow. Okay. And I'm very good at that. And so that's just what I did. I yeah. will worry about this tomorrow. I do not have to worry about this today. There's nothing I can do about this at this moment. Mm-hmm. I have a surgery plan and we'll just proceed as we can. Right. So I stayed busy and my daughter got married eight weeks after my surgery. Oh my <laughs> so, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. But um, so yes, double mastectomy. I went straight to implants, which was great. They were smaller than I kind of wanted because I was always very big. Okay. So you went, so... You had the mastectomy, and then as soon as you came out from surgery, there were no expanders, there no, were no fillers. I had the implants. It was just implants. Was okay. Implants. Yeah. Evidently, I had a lot of skin okay. that I could work with. What? <laughs> so when I asked... Well, you said you were very big, I so that big. would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I nursed four babies, and I had lost weight and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I had the implants put in, and then three months later, I went in for an exchange just up... A little bit. It wasn't much, but we went up a little bit, and she trimmed a lot of skin. And that's when I realized, okay, this is going to be okay. In that three months in between waiting from the first surgery to the second surgery, I was not a happy camper. I didn't like the way this looked. I didn't like the way it felt. They were just foreign. After she bumped me up a little bit and trimmed all the skin, then I felt a lot better about it. Okay. So Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just visually imagining all of that extra skin, like... Mm-hmm. It was, it was not. Yeah. I, yeah. I just, I, you know, I didn't have that experience, but you know, just where does that go? Right. What does that look like? It's just, like, it's just there. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. uh okay. Okay. So, so I felt a lot better after that. Yeah. Good. Good. And then, so after that, was there anything else that they, I did not have to do any other treatment. No? I okay. see my breast surgeon every six months for, uh, you know, the exam. I don't have any mammograms or anything anymore, which I can deal with that. That's nice. (laughs) And I love my surgeon, so I don't mind going to see her every six months, and that's for five years. And then after that, it'll be once a year. And so did they talk anything about it being estrogen positive? They did. Sorry. They took three lymph nodes. Okay. And they were all negative. So no, it was not estrogen positive or progesterone or whatever. Everything was negative. 
and they she did send me to an oncologist just to make sure and he gave me his blessing and loved him i mean a really nice guy and i was like i'm great i'm glad i don't have to come back to see you yeah. <laughs> you know and that was that okay okay so, so you're breast surgeon and then you see her what did you say once every a well i'm okay. sorry every six months every, okay and then and then you'll be moving to once a year, once a year. after about five, five years, years? So okay more years okay yeah, yeah. wow so yeah Awesome. I feel very fortunate. I know a lot, like I say, I know a lot through my sister. She went through chemo. She went through radiation, it, you know, and the end stages. So I felt prepared for whatever they were going to tell me. Mm-hmm. And I really think that that helped me make my decisions quick about mastectomy. Yeah. Yeah. All that. Wow. So. Well, the, having that, that kind of background and that knowledge is, is pretty powerful is. because there are, you know, so many people that go through this that, you know, they don't have somebody in their life that has ever gone through this. So it's very, very foreign for them. And, you know, it making decisions when you were just diagnosed is so hard. And I, I support a lot of women through their treatment. I volunteer at the cancer center and the boot, just the boutique, but yet a lot of women come in and they get fitted for bras and, you know, prosthesis and things. And a lot of them don't know there's a mastectomy class. Well, you can take the mastectomy class and learn about edema and all these things and how right. the surgery is going to go, which I feel very fortunate that I can help women with that and tell them about that. My doctor, plastic surgeon, actually refers me out if there's a woman that has, you know, is having a hard time or, or is a similar case. And yeah. that really helps. You know, it helps me. It fills me to be able to help somebody else through their journey. Yeah, that's wonderful. It really does. Yeah, that's, absolutely. you know, the blessing in all of this. Yeah, for sure. So... What would you say was the hardest lesson that you've learned? I have learned that I'm not invincible, but I'm resilient. Okay, mm-hmm. I can plow through things, and I think a lot of that is that scarlet little hair <laughs> mentality that I can put it off. Don't think about it now. It's not going to affect you in this moment. Just just think about what you, something else, you know, and plow through. Uh, so I I am resilient, and I'm like – you know, so many people have mentioned that you're stronger than you realize. You know, you have that inner strength. And in my family, I've always been told that I'm the strong one. I'm the strong one. So their support, my siblings is what I'm talking about, their support was not as prevalent through this whole thing. Because I've always been the strong one, you know. And I can which, okay, I am, but yet I still needed the support at, through this. Right. Okay, even though I'm strong, I'm resilient, you know, you still need that support. Absolutely. So, um, so... Maybe what I'm hearing you say, and please correct me if I'm not on target with this, is that, you know, one of the hardest things for you was that, you know, you sound like you've always been kind of the person to carry the weight, to take care of everybody. And here you were in a position of needing to be taken care of. And people were like, I don't know what to do. Right. How do I help her? That's exactly it. That's exactly it. My one sister right after the surgery, nobody came, my siblings didn't come see me after the surgery or anything until the next family gathering, whatever that was, to be honest, I don't remember. But my sister, she saw me, I guess, okay, the first time I saw them was in October and she, they, she looked, they all kind of looked at me like, oh my gosh, you're not, you're not dying. You're not looking like you're dead. You're not looking like, you know, you're gray. You're, you know, I was strong. I was, I was two months out. I was feeling great. And I, I remember them saying that, like, wow, you look really good. Right. Okay, well, you know, yeah. <laughs> but it's I'm eight strong, weeks later. It was just an odd realization for me that they had no clue and they right. didn't know how to reach out. I think right. it was a lot of it. 
Yeah, for sure. And so this was the wedding? Actually, no, it was right oh. before. It was okay. a week before. It was a week before. Okay. I thought maybe they got cut from the wedding list when you said no. Well. <laughs> oh, <laughs> another topic for another time. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. Yes. So what would you say was the most valuable lesson that you learned? Okay, so looking back, I am so grateful that it was stage zero, obviously, but I also, I could have wallowed in the pity and, you know, poor me and I can't believe I have cancer and I didn't do any of that. It was like, okay, I have cancer. What do we do? Let's get this done. You know, and, you know, just plow through. And unfortunately the waiting is terrible, but you just plow through and get it done. And so that, I don't think I realized at the time that I'm not a wallower. I'm not a, a poor me kind of person. Yeah, I need to vent sometimes. And I remember the day that I got that call from that doctor, I had, you know, when she first told me that, yes, it was cancer, I had to go to, I had to go somewhere. So my husband said, I'll go with you. And I said, no, I need to go by myself. And I remember screaming in the car, sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. I don't want this. I don't want this. And it was about a three minute rant and, and I got it all out and that was the end of it. I didn't cry again. That way it was like, and now it was like, okay, whew, feel better. That's done. Right. <laughs> and time to move on. Right. So I, you know, valuable lesson that, you know, I'm grateful. I'm very, very grateful. Yeah. You know, that my journey Good. And went well and, you know. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard when you're in the, when you're right in the middle of things and, you know, everything's kind of swirling around you right. and, you know, it's this phone call and that appointment and, you know, this decision and that decision and all of that, it's a really hard time to have any level of gratitude, but to be able to walk away with that and have gratitude and to do it in such a short period of time, mine certainly didn't last for three minutes, no. <laughs> you know, but no, everybody's right. different and like everybody's that. Different, right? Yeah, the absolutely. For everybody, the path they take is so different. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So you mentioned something that I kind of want to go back to. You said that you had gotten a phone call. So was that phone call, the phone call that where they told you that you had cancer. So they told you over the telephone. She, I don't remember her words, but I knew from what she was saying that that's what it was. Okay. And I really don't know if she really said this is cancer or not. I just remember I knew it was. Right. And I knew it was anyway, but knowing, and she needed to see me then with the next couple of days, she wanted to see me. So, so did you have any, did you have any kind of feelings about having a phone call? No, like did that I didn't, didn't it, bother that, you? I was, it was the doctor herself. It wasn't her nurse. Cause I hear stories about that too, that the nurse was calling to tell you, you know, but no, it was the doctor and I was probably asking a lot of questions and she wanted to just do it in person in the office. Okay. So, but no, I loved her and I totally trusted her and I was okay with that. Okay. Yeah. I know, you know, for some people it's, you know, it's a phone call. Some people get called into the office, you know. So for me personally, I will tell you that I did get a phone call, but I got a phone call at work. Oh. And I got a phone call from a doctor that I didn't even know. I had never met. The name oh wasn't God. familiar. It wasn't any of that. And so I was kind of in the same position where you were, where I knew that it was cancer, but it still hit me like a ton of bricks okay. because it was so unexpected. I didn't know who she was. And I, you know, I, I never actually heard her say cancer. All I ever heard her say was, I don't know how to tell you this over the phone. And then okay. I just started screaming. Right. So yeah. I was kind of curious about the phone call. Cause I know that, you know, for different people, it's, it's a different experience. And um, if I 
didn't have the history with my sister and didn't realize. And, you know, I, like I say, I, I knew what this was. <laughs> so if, it, if I didn't realize what this was, then it totally could have gone a different way. Right. Totally probably would have gone a different right. way. Okay. So good. Yeah. Good. Well, I'm glad it was not a bad experience. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. And I trusted her and I, you know, loved her <laughs> as a surgeon and everything. So. so what would you say really helped you get through your cancer journey? Okay. I mean, you're still, you're still pretty new out of it, you know, but, but I know there are certain things, you know, that are helpful for people. So what helped you? Okay. My faith is very strong and that I rely on that and good and bad. And it's, I gave it to God and he totally took it <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. My husband and my family, my children were very supportive. In fact, when I had to go to the doctor's office to actually hear and make a decision what we were going to do, and my husband was out of town, my older daughter, you know, I told my daughter I was going tomorrow, and and she said, but you can't go alone, and she burst into tears. You know, she said, I'll go with you, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I was okay. I really was okay going by myself, but it was good she was there because then she put my husband on speakerphone, and, you know, it, it was great. I mean, she was very supportive, so my kids are very supportive. And like I say, I'm a Scarlett O'Hara, so I'm a worry-about-it kind of girl. I look for the good in things. Cancer, there's no good in cancer. They're not, <laughs> but yet... The good that's come out of this is that I can help other people. And I really feel yeah. like God gave that to me, either being the strong person I am, the personality I am, whatever it may be, so that I can help other people. Right. And I love that volunteering in the cancer center and getting the call from the doctor, you know, to, can you call this person? Can you text her? And I've made some really good friendships out of that as well. Yeah, that's so, wonderful. Yeah. So how many children do you have? I have four children. Four kids. Four wow. Kids. Boys, girls. Two girls, two 20 girls. and 25, and two, two boys, boys, 21 and 19. Wow. 22 and 19. And so you kind of talked a little bit about there being prevalence in the family. So have you had that conversation with them? They, my girls are very aware, being girls. My 22-year-old son, he he knows to be careful. My 19-year-old son, I actually had just taken him to the breast surgeon because he had some cysts that were growing around oh. his nipple. And we had seen the pediatrician last year. And the doctor said, oh, it's just part of hormones. You know, he's 18. It'll probably go away. Well, it either went away and came back, but they were still there. And so last month, I actually took him to my breast surgeon just because I needed to know. And he was totally fine going. You know, he knows my history. So he was totally fine going. And it turned out everything was fine. Yeah. Wow. That was a little scary for me. Yeah, Um, for sure. Especially being a boy. Because it's so rare. You know, it's it's not as common. Yeah, absolutely. But I think you make a really good point that, you know, it's not, breast cancer is not gender specific. That it can, you know, impact both men and women, you know, obviously more more so with women, Mm -hmm. but, you know, it. It's absolutely there right. with men too. So I just didn't want to take a chance and I needed to know. Absolutely. I needed to, I needed to know. For I don't know sure. if he did, but I did. And he, he was fine going and, you know, like I say, it was, it was fine. Yeah. Thank goodness. Wow. Yeah. So what would you, what one or two tips would you offer somebody who is newly diagnosed? To definitely lean on others. If you are having a hard time reaching out, but also there's so many free counseling services. The cancer centers, I know that, you know, there's a lot of free services. And if you're not happy, get a second opinion. That's important too. I've seen a couple of cases that didn't go well with just one opinion. They just trusted the doctor and it didn't go well. You know, so second opinion is really important if you're not comfortable. And then after your surgery, stay ahead of the pain. Have someone document when they're giving you medications and then let them take care of it if possible. 
and stay ahead of the pain. That is so important. Don't wait until you get the pain, you know, to take the pills. Yeah. So, well, those are great tips. <laughs> those are really good tips. Honestly, I, I never had thought about documenting when the pain pills were being given. And you want like, to know how I them just thought to me. of that? I was going through some notes recently and my husband had written it down and it was in my notebook. Oh, wow. And I didn't realize it. But he was, it was his handwriting. He was documenting when he was giving me the pills and which ones he was giving me. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, the documentation is a, is a good, you know, system for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's great. Yeah. I mean, obviously the whole experience isn't great, but, you know, just what you've gotten out of this certainly has proven to be beneficial for you. And, you know, so I, is there anything else that you would like to share with anyone that might be um, listening? Other survivors, doctors, anyone that might come upon this? Doctors, be kind. Be <laughs> kind to the patients. <laughs> and then anybody that might be going through it, lean on others. That's just really important. Yeah. Find some, the support system, yeah. you know, that you can, that can help you through. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned that there are free services for that because we know that there are certain people that, you know, whatever their circumstances right. are, they might be going through this by themselves. And right. that's a, that's a challenge. So, and the mastectomy class, really important mastectomy yes. class. I learned so much and I try to relay that information. People don't know yeah. about lymphedema and, right. you know, things that can happen that you don't get the blood draw. You don't get the blood pressure on that arm. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, well, thank you so much for your, for spending your time with me. And I am really grateful that you shared your story and I'm sure that somebody that will be listening is going to be inspired by or relate to your story. So thank well, you. Thank you so much. This was great. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind the Pink Ribbon. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. If you or anyone you know would be interested in sharing your story, please send an email to podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com. You've been listening to Behind the Pink Ribbon, produced by American Creative Consulting, mixed and mastered at Riverview Podcasting Studios. For more information, please visit designbyacc.com.